raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline from ESPN.com, Stephen Holder joins us. So, I... I, much like I'm assuming a lot of fans, I, I want to see this team do some things positively and go back to back to back. Um, they rarely, if ever, do that, especially recently. However, when you get it in spurts like you did in Baltimore, like you did in, at home about three weeks ago against Tennessee, that gives you a bit of a false sense of who this team is. And I think we now know at 3-5 and five that this team is nothing more than really what we thought it was going to be, most of us, before the start of the season. You agree? Uh, I, I think they're better than we thought they were going to be. Um, just the, the problem is they've had some some shortfalls that maybe we didn't expect, if that makes sense. So, for example, like, I didn't expect them to have the kind of offensive production they've had. And I didn't expect Gardner Minshew to be any good. And, and I don't think he has been good. I think he has been okay in spots. But certainly the, the turnovers are not okay. And then yesterday he didn't have the turnovers, but uh, he he was much less aggressive. If you look at his yards per attempt, he was down, I think, to like five and a half yards per attempt after last week when he got aggressive and he had a career high, but he had the turnovers. So it's kind of like <laughs> you got to pick your poison, I guess. Do you want conservative Gardner or do you want, you know, sort of uh, leave it all on the field Gardner who turns the ball over, you know? But anyhow, to your question – I, I don't think they're a terrible team. I just think they have a couple of issues they just can't overcome or no team can overcome. You can't overcome uh, turnovers for the most part. And it's really hard to overcome uh, the kind of talent disparity we're seeing right now at cornerback. And I get that that's a, a problem of their own making to some degree. I'm just, I'm just calling it what it is. You know, uh, it's just really hard to overcome that. I, I think, the core of the team is fine. And with the starting quarterback in the fold, they'd be, you know, a pretty competitive team um, and much better than, than we predicted them to be, but they're not that team right now. And um, their, their weaknesses right now are killing them. Stephen Holder joins us. I think it's also been hard to overcome some coaching mistakes. And believe me, I like Shane Steichen a great deal. I think yeah. he's going to be really good. But that does not dismiss the fact that he has made some profound mistakes as a first-year head coach. Those are also situations this team cannot overcome. Yeah, so here's my take on Shane. I, I'm with you. I think that he overall, look, he gets it, and he has gotten some guys to, to play at a higher level than, than maybe we have seen in the past. All that's attributable to him or in his staff or whatever you want to say. Uh, so he gets credit for that. But I do think, like you said, I think the, the shortfall for Shane Steichen has been situational. So I think you go back to the Browns game, and we talked about this last week. I didn't like the field goal, the 60-yard the field goal attempt. I didn't like getting aggressive and throwing out of your own end zone with a guy who'd done nothing but turn the ball over in the last few weeks. Talking about Gardner Minshew. And then – I thought that on Sunday, we kind of grilled him on this today on, in his availability. 
we kind of grilled him on this today, and he didn't really agree, but I, I thought that he got a little too pass-heavy at times. I get it that, that it was not necessarily you know, what it looked like on paper. Looking at the numbers, they ran it six times in the second half, one carry for Jonathan Taylor. And, and I understand they had some long down and distance situations. And so you can explain some of it. I get that. I do get that. But the best he could do today was say, well, I don't know. There might have been a chance for a few more runs, but, you know, that's about all. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, in retrospect, we really went away from our best player there, which is what I thought it was. You know, with the no, that's exactly what it was. You were right. And so was everybody yeah. else, yeah. Yeah, so I, 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 I wanted a little more retrospective retrospectiveness is that a word i don't know anyway i I, introspection i guess is the word i wanted a little more from shane steichen on that particular point but he did not seem to maybe agree and i was a little frustrated by that but i but i would say i agree with you a good coach overall but i think he's still learning some things uh i think some of these times where he um you know, kind of does these these sort of uh, timeout situations where he, you know, tries to draw a team off sides. I mean, I get that it, it conceptually. I understand that. I think there have been some some instances where he's outsmarted himself as well. That's that's exactly how I put it. I, that's yeah. exactly how I put it. Like, buddy, you're trying too hard. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, it's like we don't have to do that every damn time. Okay. Like, just line up and kick the ball, man. You know, at times I think it's okay, but when you do it every time, like you've lost the element of surprise completely. No one expects you to snap the ball at this point. You know, so I don't know, man. It doesn't. None of that is like fireable. It's not a big deal in the grand scheme. But if you're, they're playing close games. They are generally playing close games. They've been in one score games for the most part. And those things are going to matter a lot. That's just what it is. Stephen Holder of ESPN.com is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I just don't know a lot of other coaches around the NFL or coordinators, for that matter, that would unplug their most dynamic, their most talented, their best, their biggest threat for the period of time as what we witnessed yesterday. And I know that once you got into the fourth and they were kind of chasing the tail a little bit and they had to throw it or felt the need to throw it, but in the third quarter, they went away from it. They they broke off. Zach Moss did a 41-yard run, and then the next play, that's when Minshew decided to veer to his right and throw up a wounded duck that got intercepted. I mean, I, I know yeah. that's his decision-making, but to me – Jonathan Taylor, you brought him back, you extended him, he's your most dynamic player, and to have 28 standing over there a lot on the sideline seems absolutely ridiculous to me. Look, here's the deal. You paid a guy $42 million, and he did not touch the ball for the final, I think, 27 minutes of a football game. I don't understand that. You cannot make that make sense to me. I get it. That, that it was not – I get that it's situational. And, and you can explain it away if you try. You can at least put a, a happier face on it. I get that. If you go kind of like series by series, well, this happened, and then that happened, and then this happened. I understand that. I was at the game. <laughs> but I'm just telling you, just put it in black and white. Jonathan Taylor is their most explosive player. He did not touch the ball for the final 26-plus minutes. I don't know what to tell you. That happened. That's what they did. And that was 
a direct decision made by Shane Steichen. If any other coach around the NFL, winning or losing, did that to their most dynamic player, what the hell do you think would happen the next day? <laughs> they'd be calling, the, you're, they'd be calling their, their, their local radio show, yeah. Raising Hell. Yeah. <laughs> and and I completely understand it. And, and there's, there's common yeah. ground, Stephen, to be had. I mean, we can like and believe mm-hmm. in Shane Steichen for the future, but also understand that he fouled up by those measures yesterday. Yeah, I mean, look, I don't, I don't want to bring up Frank Reich, although we, we, got, I guess we got to talk about Frank. No, the ultimate embarrassment's on the way next week if you're not careful too. Ooh, ooh, I don't want to. I'm not going there yet. We'll see how it goes, but, but I, I hear you. Uh, so here, here's what I'd say though. Um, at times over the last five years, they had some instances where the quarterback situation was not ideal, and I'll say this for Frank: he just said, "All right, we are going back to the bread and butter." And we're going to run the damn ball. And I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that's that's necessarily the 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 primary way to win football games in 2023. I get it. Like I'm not I'm not an idiot. All I'm saying is, you got to work with what you got. And you have a very fallible quarterback right now. You have a quarterback who is very imperfect. And you, it, the more you ask him to do, the more he's going to get your ass in trouble. <laughs> okay, I'm just saying. Like that is. Every time Gardner Minshew makes a mistake, it's to some degree on Shane Steichen, to to a degree. You know what I mean? Because he has asked him to throw the ball a lot the last few weeks. Now, I understand a lot of that. Some of that was deficit. Some of that was situation. Some of that was predicated by the defense, including yesterday to some extent. But I understand all of that. But I'm just saying in the grander scheme, you know what you're working with at quarterback. I mean, you can go back to like 2019 here. We had Jacoby Brissett under quarterback, under center. Jacoby is a, a good quarterback in certain situations, but the optimum situation for him was to not ask him to do too much. And they didn't. They said, we're going to run the hell out of this ball. And they did that successfully. And so, anyway, I just think that's another example. Same thing with Wentz in, in 2021. This, this feels like that. It feels like a situation where that's what you need to do. And, and I'll just end by saying this. Look, I understand – the primary reason they, they lost that game is because they gave up, what, like 350-yard passes to oh, one yeah, guy. And 500 yards in total offense, yeah. Okay. Like, I understand that was there. I get it. But I also am saying it, it all matters, okay? All of it matters. And, and that was somewhat, somewhat um, more difficult to deal with because the personnel is the personnel. You know what I'm saying? Like, that is what it is. That's baked into the cake. So I, I blame the coaches a little less on that. But in terms of not giving the ball to your best player, that's something you can control. Hey, it would be so easy, Stephen, to come on here and just rail on Tony Brown. And I've not done that because he is just a symptom of the issue yeah, that well. we all knew was coming yeah. in the offseason. You all knew that was coming. We all did. We all talked about it. And then – it's also a part of a greater symptom, which is this defense. And you have a lot of higher dollar, higher draft selection guys up front that are not doing jack squats. And how can you, obviously, if you can't defend at the back end, you got to do something at the front end. And they, they, I mean, it's just yesterday was a struggle. So I put more blame there than I do anywhere near, even as, as beaten down as he was yesterday in a nightmare situation that Tony Brown had. I still look up front with that defense and then i also look at times at gus bradley yeah yeah no i, I all of that is fair 
I, I would say, and I, I tweeted um, the video, the, the all 22 video of all the, the big plays from Shahid. Yeah. So you go on my Twitter, you can just scroll down. They're all in one thread. Anyway, the reason I bring that up is because I want everyone to look at it. And when you when you do, you can also you can obviously see the coverage breakdown, and you'll you'll see that very obviously. But I want I want you to also pay attention to the pocket, okay? The the passer's pocket, the quarterback's pocket, is pristine, okay? Pristine, and that is not going to win you many games. I mean, say what you want about Derek Carr, but if you give him a, a wide receiver who has three steps on a guy and a clean pocket. He's going to beat you. I mean, Derek Carr is not some idiot. He, he's a veteran quarterback who's won a lot of games, man. And, and he, any quarterback worth his salt was going to go up there and, and be able to make those plays because they were there. And it, you had to screw it up, frankly. So that's what they did. And, and I would say a couple of things happened here. Now, the, the run game, there were some plays made there as well. They're missing Grover Stewart, and that has really hurt them. I, I think you can see that. And – I, I knew – I always wondered whether their, their edge rush early in the season, was it a product of them going against uh, backup offensive tackles you know, because they were having some success early on. So I wondered how much of that was a, a product of the Colts facing some, some backup offensive tackles and how much of it was this is who they are. And I think it's been a lot more hit and miss recently, which suggests – that maybe the, the back of offensive tackles had a lot to do with it. And you've got to get some, some, some consistent pass rush on these quarterbacks. I mean, I don't care if it's Derek Carr. I don't care if it's Bryce Young. Give them a, a pretty pocket, and guys are going to make plays. I mean, this is the NFL, man. Come on. So, Stephen, should Jonathan Taylor had said after the game yesterday, you know, maybe they just didn't have me in the second half plans like 11 did the week prior because clearly they were making up for that early and often yesterday. It kind of felt like it. It was hard not to uh, not not to come to that conclusion. That was interesting. Um, would have been nice if they were for more yards, but yeah, it did feel that way. <laughs> yeah, here's your five maybe, targets, maybe, okay, yeah. buddy? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I mean, listen. I think ultimately Jonathan Taylor got what he wanted, <laughs> which is forty-two million. So maybe maybe he's got a little bit of a. Uh, maybe he's got to shut it down for a little bit from the complaint department. But right. yeah, I, I I do I did think it was just. I don't know. It didn't make a lot of sense to me. I'm with you. All right. Any uh, trade deadline? Maybe moves? Uh, anybody out there that you think may get interest from somebody else, be interesting enough for the Colts to make some sort of deal? Okay. I think if they would have feared better in the last three games, I would give you a different answer. I think right now, sitting at three and five, granted, their schedule on the back end is kind of a joke. But I mean, they're they're a team that has a lot to that doesn't have a lot to work with right now. I don't know how much they're going to go out there and and go on a big run here. I mean, they could, but I mean, even if they were to do that, let's say some miracle happened and this team gets in the playoffs. I mean, are they winning a playoff game? Right. So what I'm saying is, I'm going back now to given the quarterback situation. And, and given the ups and downs we're seeing on defense, I go back to where we were going into the season, which was, all right, this season is about figuring out who you are 
and and figuring out the way forward. So, you know, it's it's about 2024 in my mind. I'm not saying that I'm writing off the rest of the season. Uh, they they still have some talent. They still have a lot of high paid players who should be going out there and competing. So, I mean, I expect them to win some games, but I I think they're still kind of a mediocre kind of team at best right now. If you have that team, you know, how aggressive would you bother to be at the trade deadline, you know, because what's it going to net you is what I say. And, and honestly, I, I think you need to be retaining your draft picks to go put some guys around uh, Anthony Richardson going forward. Well, is, is there anybody out there that, that you pull the plug on because you're three and five uh, yeah. and because you look like you're going nowhere fast? That was more the angle that I was uh, gotcha, thinking gotcha. of too. Gotcha. Yeah. More. Yeah. I, I wouldn't, yeah. Not going out and trying to improve the team, but taking away pieces be, because you basically know this thing's over. Okay, fair question. Um, I, I do agree that their posture with three losses in a row it probably changes your posture a little bit. I, I just think that they don't real, they're not in position to sell a whole lot right now, though, because uh, th- a lot of their, the players who are of interest or might be of interest, I mean, they're, they're either making a lot of money, uh, either that or they're, they're not players they're, they're willing to part with or – you know, or, or they just there isn't much to be gained by dealing them. I, I don't know. I just don't see any obvious candidates. I mean, if somebody came to you and said, "This is a terrible example because he's a corner," but <laughs> and they need corners. But if somebody came to you and said, um, "We'll give you a, a nice pick for for Kenny Moore," that's not going to happen. I don't believe. But if someone said that, I mean, you'd have to listen because he's in a contract year, and. Uh, you know, look, I mean, he, he's a position that is uh, a, prim- a premier position, corner. I think he's having a good year. I know people may have mixed feelings on that. I think Kenny Moore has, has played pretty well this year, frankly. So, I mean, he's a guy who would have some value, perhaps. And, and also, I don't know what their plans are for him in the long term. I, I have no idea. This is not a prediction. I have zero idea. I'm just saying, are they going to resign Kenny Moore? Like, what's, what is that – What's their intention there? I have no idea. So, you know, that's that's just one guy off the very, very top of my head. But I don't think there's a lot of obvious candidates uh, for them to sell right now. Stephen Holder's with us. Do you buy the explanation last week of Kenny's too valuable to keep in the nickel and not moving him outside because of, of how he plays and that is that's something you expect? Or would you be one to test that on the outside and believe? I, I know this is all desperation, but so yeah. so was that situation and so is this team. Because couldn't you realistically put somebody at the nickel that could be a, a much less of a talent and maybe Kenny can do more than what we witnessed yesterday? I mean, why would well, that be not more feasible than it was? Yeah, you you mentioned desperate scenario. Well, I mean, no offense, but I mean they look pretty desperate chasing Shahid to the end zone. You know what I mean? So I agree that I I think here's one scenario. I have no idea if this is a great idea, but it's an idea. Uh, you could move Kenny outside. Kenny is is definitely capable of playing out there. I mean, would you not have wanted him matched up on the edge with Shahid on those couple of plays, right? So. So take that, for example, move him to the outside. The other option to fill Kenny Moore's role in the slot or one option could be just theoretically Julian Blackman could do it. Now, I don't know if he's 
as up to speed on, on playing that position from a, from a scheme standpoint, but certainly from a, from a um, ability perspective, Julian Blackman could do that. He played corner in college. Uh, he, he basically is, is kind of playing that role to some degree anyway, because he's taking on tight ends and doing that anyway. So I, I know he's a safety, but he could do that. And then you've got Nick Cross, who they say they want to get on the field. Well, then he fills, he backfills uh, Julian Blackman at strong safety. I mean, that's how you do it. If you want another option, that's an option. And that way, I like those three guys on the field. You're getting three good players on the field, albeit in different roles. I know it impacts those, those roles negatively because anytime you move a player, it's a little bit of a downgrade from his original position. I get that. That is true. But overall, you have more talent on the field under that scenario. So that's what I would say. That, that would be my suggestion to at least talk about doing. Stephen Holder of ESPN.com is with us. So let me make sure we get this right. Next week, they travel to Charlotte, North Carolina to take on a one-win team that won for the first time this past weekend yeah. against Houston and take on the guy that this time last year they fired um, if they go there and lose, where would that rank as disgusting, embarrassing losses? I thought about this. Well, first of all, look, I, I am not about to make a prediction that, that Carolina is going to win this game. <laughs> Excuse me. But I'll, I'll say this. I mean, there's no one better than Frank Reich to get the, get his offense ready to play this defense. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, if anybody knows how to beat this defense, it'd be, it'd be Frank Reich. So we'll see how that goes. But it would not be great because the owner would not take kindly to it. <laughs> and I, it comes to mind, you know, what comes to mind is I think a couple of years ago, you might recall uh, they get swept by Tennessee. And remember Jim Mercer told us later on how he called the whole staff together and he just ripped them a new one and told them these guys are emasculating you have some pride. I mean, I'm, I'm actually quoting him. Like you said that <laughs> and I was like, I remember sitting in the room with him and I think it was in Palm beach at the owner's meetings. And I remember sitting there and, and hearing Jim Mercer say this. And I'm like, man, I didn't know he was that. Did dead. he say emasculating? Uh, I want to go back and check the, the transcript. He either did use that word or he used a variation of it. But I walked away thinking, man, he he just basically said that you guys have no manhood here. (laughs) I mean, that's what he said, you know. So anyhow, I mean, we all wrote about it, myself, Kiefer, et cetera. But anyhow, the reason I bring that up is because I I think he he definitely had, he being Jim he had this like, you know, just this this craw in his this, this something stuck in his craw about losing to Tennessee. I gotta feel like this would be on par with that, you know, you know, because like he he really felt like he did the right thing in firing Frank Reich, and that's fine. I mean, obviously something had to change; they weren't doing well. But I mean, he he definitely didn't like the the backlash of of bringing in Jeff Saturday, and and you remember the win in Las Vegas. Uh, you know, Jim Mercy yeah. you know, took a victory lap after that, and he, you know, wanted to to kind of basically say I yep. was right. And yeah. so now to go lose to Frank Reich with that being the backdrop, I got to think he'd be very pissed off. 
Hey, what would be worse, losing Sunday to Frank Reich or having Will Levis throw multi-touchdowns against you in Nashville in December? Ooh, man, that's – This is where we are. This is what we're left with right here, Steve. Yeah, I yeah. mean, right? I mean, <laughs> just talk about talk about bad, bad choices. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I would say this for Levis. Look, I don't know. I, I would say this, though. I mean, if, if they hit on Levis, if he turns out to be a hit, then good for Tennessee because I'll be honest with you. I mean, they were about to go into a no man's land here, okay? Because it might be over for well, I don't know about over, but but certainly Henry's run is coming to an end. You know, whether it's now or next year, whatever. Like he's not their future. You know, uh, they they already traded Kevin Bayard, which kind of tells me they're maybe thinking about the future. And so I don't know. They, they were kind of getting ready to potentially head toward a, a teardown here. And and they may still, but if they got the quarterback right, and, and we don't know yet, okay, it's early. We do not know. But I like what I saw. I mean, he made some good throws, man. Give him credit. This would be very Tennessee of him, wouldn't it, to be three and four right now and to pick themselves up off the mat in a fashion yeah. in which nobody thought, and that will further Jim Ursay's being pissed off and using words like emasculating maybe because <laughs> of the jealousy he would have for Mike Vrabel putting this product together. So, Yeah, look, Mike, Mike Vrabel is a good coach, and and you know who's one of his biggest fans is Jim Ursay. No doubt. Talks about him all the time. I, I I don't know if like if Jim if if Mike Vrabel would have been out there last year. This is a stupid hypothetical. I don't know why I'm even going there. But like if had Mike Vrabel been out there last year, <laughs> would Jim Irsay have just like taken over the coaching search and said, <laughs> "Nope, we got our guy." Like, I don't know. He might have. Well, either either he that or if Jeff Vrabel. Saturday would have won like two more games, maybe even one more game, that would have happened. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Oh, man. All right, my buddy. Hey, I got to run. I appreciate you more than you know. And uh, safe travels to Charlotte next week. And hopefully we have better things to talk about on Monday of next week. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Talk to you soon. All right, buddy. Stephen Holder of ESPN. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.